The Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, updated when I'm done. Two soldiers, five. We on the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school face. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Outflips now. In the air and on air, the Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator, and I got a real special guest today. Have you ever heard of a Yak 110. All you airplane experts out there, well, you probably haven't, but if you take a Yak 55 and you add a Yak 55 and you add a jet engine, you're going to get a Yak 110. And I've got Jeff Bourbon, who's the visionary and the pilot behind the Yak 110 Air Show Act. Jeff, welcome to the radio show with uh, me, David Costa. Thank you, David. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here today. Actually, you're providing me a nice little break from all the yard work that I'm doing. It's nice to just sit down in a chair and have a conversation, especially about air shows, because I'm like everybody else. I am really missing being out there at the air shows, and hopefully we can get back to them sooner than later. But like you said, the Yak 110, I didn't even need a calculator for this one, David. I took the Yak 55 and the Yak 55 and just added it right up to the Yak 110. People ask where I got that number from, but there it is. <laughs> and uh, if that wasn't enough, we added a jet engine because, well, why not? People say, well, that must have happened over a night full of beers. And I like to say it was years of beers, actually, because this was a thought process that goes back a very long ways. So the Yak 110, in actuality, was all conceived in an idea probably around 2009 when I saw two Yak 55 sitting on the ramp that looked like a Yak 110, kind of like the Twin Tigers do. Those guys do kind of a, a silhouette of the airplanes that they look like one. Anyways, the Yak 110 came from that idea, seeing the two airplanes sitting on the ramp. I can go into the story a little bit more if you'd like to hear all the way back to 2003. Yeah, I actually would. You know why? Because I think this, you have got, in my opinion, the most unique airplane out on the circuit today. And because really, for people that half of our audience is not even pilots, you know, they're, they're just air show people. They're people like airplanes. And, you know, to take what you did, explain what it is you've done for the people that may not have seen your airplane and kind of how it came about. Because it is, air shows are entertainment, and you got one heck of an entertaining aircraft there. Yeah, thanks, David. I'm like most people, and, and it's kind of cliche to say, you know, I was a young kid. I went to Oshkosh. I saw the air shows and decided that's what I wanted to do at a very early age. But it's exactly what happened, seeing Charlie Hillard and Leo Laudensager and those guys back at Oshkosh when I was seven years old starting this crazy stuff. And back then, if you would have told me someday I'd be flying a one-of-a-kind airplane for the second time, because I used to fly the Jet Waco, as you know, and to be in a position where I'm flying these type of airplanes 
you would have never convinced me when I was a kid that someday that would be the case. But now I'm given this opportunity back with having this airplane and and getting to share this at their shows. Unfortunately, we're getting some time off from that. But, you know, it, it goes to the point that it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, or what you're doing. But if you have an idea, you can make it happen. And that's kind of what happened here is, you know, I always wanted to fly in the air shows and I started by flying competition. And after some of my heroes in this sport, Charlie and Leo, like I mentioned, you know, I really wanted to get into that. And it took me a long time to do so. From the time I graduated from the University of North Dakota, it took me another 11 years to finally get hired on with a major airline, which at that point gave me kind of this amount of money and time off kind of combination to pursue these dreams and started flying a Pitts S1S. And in 2003, I won the U.S. National Championship in advanced category. And, and that, believe it or not, is actually where the Yak 110 story starts. Because in 2004, I needed to fly a Yak 55 to prepare for the championship that was going to be in Sweden in 2004 at the Advanced World Aerobatic Championship. So the Russians had already invited me to use their Yak-55 at that point. So now I'm sitting here in the U.S. I've got a pit special that I needed to sell and then start training in a Yak-55. So I found a guy in Montana. His name was Klein Gilhausen. I called Klein because someone here in Phoenix told me that he had a Yak-55. I called him and told them the whole story, you know, just like I, I reiterated to you now about needing to use the airplane. And I didn't really want to buy one because my hope was to move to a Sukhoi. But I wanted to have access to an airplane for about six months to get ready for the world championship. And I told him the whole story. And at the end, he said, man, I'd love for you to fly my airplane. Uh, but I sold it to a guy in Texas. And I said, OK, well, what's his name and number? <laughs> Thinking... Well, might as well, you know, follow a lead. So he he gave me Chad Barty's number. I called Chad and we had met briefly at the 2003 Nationals. And I asked Chad if he would be interested in let me use his airplane for a time. And, and he said, absolutely. Come on down to Lubbock, Texas and fly my airplane all you want. So that was great. And Chad Barty, as you know, is now one of my partners on the Yak-110. So that's where the story all kind of originates. And I fly for a major airline. I'm currently captain on the Airbus 320, but back then I was pretty new at this airline gig. But trying to get back and forth from Phoenix to Lubbock was not very easy. And so to to train on a regular basis, it wasn't really working out. And I happened to be on Barnstormers looking, and I saw this beautiful red, white, and blue Yak 55 for sale out in Atlanta and was on the next airplane out there and bought it and flew it back to Phoenix all within a very short period of time. My wife was kind of hoping that after I sold the pits, this, this kind of fad would be over for me. But <laughs> <laughs> much to her dismay, it was only just beginning. <laughs> um, so that, now we had a Yak-55. And what was cool is I took mine through Lubbock on the way home, and Chad got an opportunity to fly my Yak-55. And that was in the spring of 2004. That was the first time that the two Yaks that make up the Yak-110 met because ultimately it was Chad's Yak-55 and the one that I had purchased that ultimately came together to make the Yak-110. And so I did go to the world championship, flew the uh, Russian Yak-55. That was my first world championship. A lot of learning went on there and 
really enjoyed the camaraderie of the aerobatic team and, and uh, pursued that passion for another 12 years after that, up to uh, including the unlimited aerobatic team and really enjoyed all my time doing that. But it was time to kind of move into doing some air show stuff. And I was flying the Yak 55 in the air show industry, just maybe three or four shows a year just to get my feet wet because I you know, still had my full-time job. And like I had mentioned earlier, I wanted to move into flying a Sukhoi. But at that time, as you know, with the uh, 9-11 effects of that, kind of like we're seeing now, I mean, we're going to be affected greatly with the airline industry. We already have as, yeah. as most all industry. But at that time, we were taking pay cuts. And so the hopes of a Sukhoi vanished pretty quickly during that time for me. So I ended up keeping the Act 55. I never did sell it. The closest I came to is in about 2008 and nine. I had sold a couple partnerships in the airplane because I was moving on to flying extra 300s. And I eventually did get into flying the Sukhoi with Klein Gilhausen, who was the originator of my phone call a long time ago, getting me hooked up with the Yak 55. So you can take that story all the way back to that point, moving forward Hmm. and not wanting to get rid of the Yak 55 because I knew there'd be a great repurpose of the airplane. That's why I sold the partnerships in the airplane because I wanted to keep it in the family But moving on, I wasn't flying it very much. So now we fast forward a a little bit into flying the the Jet Waco. I was hired by John Klatt to fly the originally the Air National Guard two-ship formation with John, which was a great opportunity for me to to go get to see these, the big shows, you know, compared to what I was flying in the Yak-55 and great opportunity. And then when he bought the Jet Waco, he still had the Air Guard program, but he needed a pilot to fly the, the Jet Waco. And, yeah. You know, that's interesting because, like I said, I was a little kid, seven years old, imagining what it would be like to just fly aerobatics. And in 1999, I had the opportunity to be at Oshkosh and watch Jimmy Franklin fly the original Jet Waco for the very first time. And had you told me then that one day I'd be flying a Jet Waco, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. Yeah. And here I am, only 13 years later, I'm strapping into a biplane with a jet engine on it and flying it at air shows around the country. And absolutely such an amazing opportunity. Thank you, Joan, for that. It was beyond words to be that lucky to be in that position. What eventually developed from that was meeting Del Collar, who was the guy that that built the Jet Waco up there with Mike Wiskus at his facility in Minnesota. And he's a master mechanic. This guy Man, you put an airplane in a shop and it is going to come out, which is hard to say for a lot of shops. I mean, he's uh, rarely missed any kind of deadline. In fact, he's usually early and really a masterful builder. That's rare. And it's been a real honor working with Dell for all these years. But he and I talked a lot about making the Yak 110. So over the years, you know, we had kind of all these ideas of what it would look like and he had made up uh, some artist renderings of what the Yak 110 would look like. And we finally had this opportunity to make it happen. So we've been talking about it for years. I had tried to make it happen a number of years earlier, but it, you know, we just couldn't pull it off. So the idea was out there and I knew it was a really good idea. We wanted to capture it. And so I had this idea of calling Chad, who had previously sold his airplane. That's part of the interesting thing with this story as well. When when Chad sold his Yak-55 back in about 2006, the new owner hired a ferry pilot to go to Lubbock to pick the airplane up and fly it out to the East Coast. So I'll give you a guess of uh, who that pilot was. It must have been you. Yeah. <laughs> nope. No, it was Del Caller. Oh, man. So Del 
long before I met Dell, was hired to go fly the Yak 55 out to the new owner on the East Coast. In fact, Dell flew his very first aerobatic contest in that airplane. And so now the three of us are kind of involved in this family of this airplane. So at this point, Dell had flown my airplane also. And so the three of us had flown both airplanes. And when it came time to deciding, do we get those two airplanes or do we do something else? It was quite clear that we needed to have 426 and 955 Sierra Foxtrot as the two airplanes that would make up this airplane. And so mine, we bought from my partners, the blue one, we found it out still in the East Coast and we bought that airplane. And this all stemmed from a phone call to Chad Barty because we needed to have someone to help out with this thing. And I called Chad, I told him what we were doing or what we were thinking. And he said, man, you're crazy. And I said, well, maybe, but it's, think about this. I mean, we are going to do something that's never been done in the history of aviation. Sure, there's yeah. been two airplanes that have been put together before, but there's never been two airplanes that have been put together and then added a jet engine onto it. <laughs> so that's unique in the history of aviation. It is. And he thought it was crazy. Anyways, he called me back a couple hours later and he said, man, let's do this. And it didn't take long. I'll tell you, it was that call was in September of 2016. We had the airplanes both bought and to Dell shop by the end of October in 2016. So just over a month. And then it was a just over a year later that we flew the airplane for the first time. An incredible amount of work that went into that with Eddie Saruman and Dell Collar collaborating on building that center section. So Yak-55 is set up perfectly for this kind of project because you, the wings are bolt-on. There's three bolts that hold each wing panel under the fuselage. So literally all we did was take the left wing off of one airplane, the right wing off of the other airplane. We built the eight-foot center section, bolted it in, and added jet engines. Amazing. Now, all that took 13 months, but it really is kind of that simple when you break it down. Very, very cool airplane in that respect. I'm a Hey, this is David Costa, the renegade aviator. Faith, family, friendship, and work that serves others. So how can I help you? If you're looking for help in aviation or help in going after some huge goal in your life, contact me through Renegade AV, the number 8R, renegadeaviator.com. Air shows may have nothing to do with what you're passionate about, but what I've learned through my passion and my pursuit of my passion can help you in your passion. This is my work that serves others. People have helped me. Here's my opportunity to help you. RenegadeAviator.com. You can leave me a message right through the website. Click that little tab on the right. Your passion, your potential. This is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Was there any engineering challenges or any kind of handling issues that you saw with it or things you guys thought about in advance that you had to work through? There was a, a lot of um, question about the landing gear was one of the big questions that I get all the time. We'll get back to that in a second. The other engineering aspects of it. So when we had the two airplanes together for the first time, we hired Eddie Saruman, who is the same guy that designed the Jet Waco. We had him up to uh, Boise, Idaho to look over the project. And he was the one that we had hired to build or engineer that center section. So we had him up, we had Dell and myself and Eddie and, and Chad, we were all there for the first time 
these two airplanes coming together since 2004. And it was the first time that um, Dell, Chad, and I were in the same place with the two airplanes. So it was kind of cool. You know, it was reflecting back. We thought about all these things and we took some really cool video and pictures. And you can see some of that on our website if you go check it out. You imagine standing there and the gravity of this whole thing, seeming impossible project and Eddie was there looking at it and he says you know the engineering on this airplane is really fantastic in fact it's going to be a challenge for me to keep this standard of engineering and what I do to add to it but as he continued to look at, at the airplane and what it was going to take every engineering challenge that we thought was going to be there with very few exception always turned out to be easier than what we originally anticipated. So that was the nice thing about this is we thought there would be a lot of challenge with how to operate the rudders. We looked at all kinds of different things, cables and pulleys and bars going across at the back of the airplane and really complicated. And at the end of the day, Dell said, well, these things are just on a center pivot with a bell crank. Let's just run a push-pull cable, two of them from this side to that side, with a little bit of tension, that was it. (laughs) It took something that was so complex and he solved this problem in a matter of like two days, he built this thing with these two cables they run across and it was done. So those are the kind of things that initially we thought there'd be big challenges to get that done, but they weren't. They just weren't as surmountable as we thought they could be. So anyways, uh, that went together with about six months of engineering between Dell and, and Eddie before we really started cutting the first pieces of metal. When that started, then the thing was really happening quickly. So it was about six months worth of engineering and then another six months building before we got the airplane ready to fly. Mm. Very cool. The thing I mentioned about the landing gear, so we hired Len Fox to be the test pilot for the program. And we had worked with Len also on the jet walk. I say it's all kind of just a big family operation here. But Len Fox is problem with this airplane was that it has six wheels yeah there's four main landing gear in the front and two tail wheels in the back and this is a question i get all the time what how does it handle on the ground with all those wheels and yeah. and to say in, in my mind before it flew i just know the yak 55 very well i've got about 450 hours in my yak 55 uh, before we made it a Yak 110. And now I was very comfortable flying the airplane. And that landing gear is so springy, that titanium gear, when the airplane touches down, it it's just on rails and it doesn't bounce. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have any strange tendencies. In fact, I would qualify it, in my opinion, as the easiest tail dragger airplane to fly. Yeah. And the Yak 110, I didn't think was going to be that much different. It was funny, Don, I, we were at my hangar and had this four-wheel dolly that I had cut in half. It's this big steel dolly that I have set up. I was going to use as a fixture for some of my A4 projects. And we fastened the thing together. So it looked like a Yak 110 landing gear. Uh-huh. It had, you know, had all four main wheels. And then we put two tail wheels. And Dell and I sat on this thing. And my brother pushed us around <laughs> <laughs> as kind of a model for what the Yak 110 landing gear would be like. It was a very, very funny video. And we sent it to the engineer and to Len Fox and said, yeah, see, it's going to work perfectly. And <laughs> as it ends up, it did. We were there on flight day and Len had stipulated a maximum five knot wind sustained for 15 minutes before he would fly the airplane because of his concern for the landing gear. 
And of course, their plane, we had just got the air weather certificate from the FAA, which was a, also a, a big challenge, probably as big a challenge as the engineering. And as a result of that, it, when it came time to sign in that paperwork, the DAR was like, man, this is just going to be great airplane. It was a lot easier than he thought it was going to be. So we had the paperwork in hand. We had everything done and the airplane was ready to fly, fueled up. And you can imagine my anticipation of that happening at nine o'clock in the morning. And then it was noon and then it was three and the wind was just outside of the limits. I'm like, mm. man, let's go. Let's go. I need to see this thing in the air. So now it's getting pretty late in the day, like five or six in the afternoon. And, and the winds had finally calmed down. They never got over really 10 or 12 knots, but it finally was sustained at five. And we got to watch this thing take off for the very first time. And to see all that landing gear was, for me, the most impressive part of the first flight was when it lifted off. You just see all these wheels <laughs> under the airplane. It was really impressive. <laughs> and he came back after a 15-minute flight, landed, got out of the airplane, and, and said, man, you guys really have something here. Oh, and by the way, there's going to be no wind limit with this airplane. Interesting. He was so pleased with the landing gear and the performance of that on the ground in the ground handling he said it's just a dream to fly in fact he only did three flights in total before he signed off the airplane through his flight test program three 15 to 20 minute flights was all it took and the only thing we did was made some adjustment on the mechanical bendable aileron trim tabs to get it to fly straight <laughs> that's pretty easy yeah very very straightforward i flew the airplane on the third flight he flew to I flew it on the third flight, and had I had my Yak 55 air show card, I could have rolled into the air show aerobatic box and flown my air show on the very first flight. Interesting. That's how much it flies, just like a Yak 55. It's not strange sitting off center like that as you're flying that aircraft off center when you're doing aerobatics? Oh, it is. Uh, at the beginning, we did the first test flights without the jet engine. The airplane was certified just with the two engines. And so during the test flight part of it, we we only did about, I would say, eight flights to get the CG just right. We did make some modifications on the CG ultimately for where the jet was going to sit. And I didn't do a whole lot of aerobatics in the first part of the test phase. We did some spins and some aerobatics and, and some light stuff. But you could tell that going around in a circle instead of going around in the center was going to be very strange. And we then developed the uh, motor mount for the jet. We strapped the jet on there. And this was in April, May or so of uh, 2018. Now was the first flight in the jet. I did that flight and their plane, you can imagine it had all kinds of power and performance before we put the jet on it. Yeah. And now it was just ludicrous power. <laughs> so we have an airplane with me in it ready for takeoff, weighs about 4,800 pounds and I have 6,000 pounds of thrust. Pretty amazing. So I get out to the aerobatic box. Dell's on the ground. He's going to watch. We started to develop the air show. Pulled up to a vertical, doing it. What I thought was an aileron roll. And Dell said, "What was that?" And I said, "Well, that was a roll." He said, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it wasn't quite right. But here's where that rolling around on the outside of the airplane. Imagine getting slung around in that big circle. All these years of flying centerline aerobatics, your seat of the pants flying is how your feet work. Let me say that again. Yeah. So as you're flying aerobatics, your feet just kind of do automatically what they need to do. 
you don't have to think so much about your feet as you do the ailerons and elevator and the throttle. Your feet get accustomed to what your butt is feeling in the seat and automatically just make corrections where they're needed. Well, now you take your body, you move it to the outside of the roll. And now the seat of the pants feeling that's been ingrained in me for a very long time acts to what it's feeling. And so my rudders were all over the place. (laughs) And that's what the biggest thing to learn in this airplane was to overcome the seat of the pants feeling. In fact, when I started doing rolls after that one, I basically just put my feet on the flat on the floor, locked them in and let the airplane just fly so I could relearn the seat of the pants effect for my feet and the rudders. So that took a while to learn. And that's one of the biggest things to overcome as the pilot of the Yak 110 from just the stick and rudder was to relearn the rudder, basically. In addition to that, now you've got three throttles. I was used to flying an airplane with two throttles, one of them being a prop, one of them being a jet. So that part was familiar. But now you've added what I think is the best part about a Yak 110 is differential power. You have opened up a world of aerobatics that is brand new because I can get out there, let's say I'm hovering in a hammerhead coming. So I start the thing going to the right, not just with the rudder pedals, but now I pull the right engine all the way back to idle. The left engine's all the way at full power. And I can do a triple hammerhead just flipping around with that differential power. So this is what's really cool about the Yak-110 is that we have this differential power capability unlike any other airplane out there. Very, very cool. That's amazing. It's amazing. And the airplane, when you see it fly, it's amazing to watch. And that was the first thing I was thinking. That's got to be a little bit complicated to fly just for that reason that you just uh, talked about because yeah, your, your seat of the pants is so way off. Then with that jet engine thrust, you could probably VNE the airplane straight up. <laughs> yeah, I can do 250 miles an hour on a 45 degree climb and sustain that. That's amazing. <laughs> that it, is amazing. It is pretty cool. Getting that aircraft onto the air show circuit, uh, were there any problems with that? Or was that pretty much people were kind of salivating to see something new and unique? What was that initial reaction on your first show with the airplane? That's a great question. And it's a fun story because when we were at ICAST, we were trying to get the Yak-110 in the convention hall at ICAST. But we weren't quite there. We had the airplane that had flown before ICAST, but we didn't have the jet engine on it. And the center section wasn't painted. So what we did instead was we built a model. Mark Leesburg put together this beautiful large-scale model. I think the wingspan was like 13 or 14 feet. So it was a big model. And it had an actual RC jet engine on it. And it was cool. It looked like a Yak-110. And we had a video of the airplane flying in pictures. And the comment we got all day long where people would walk by and you could kind of hear them snickering, yeah, that's a Photoshop. Or uh, I heard that some kind of novelty act with tying two airplanes together and, or welding. That's what they'd say. You know, it was a novelty act where they just welded two airplanes together. And so the initial thought process was not very well received, except for one very important person. Dennis Dunbar walked by our booth from EAA. He was blown away. And he's a visionary in his own right. And he could see what we had. In fact, instantly invited us to Oshkosh. Of course, the airplane hadn't flown with a jet engine. But he said, you will be ready, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, sure we will. <laughs> and, and I said, absolutely, we're going to be ready. But it was his vote of confidence that really gave me the confidence then to continue to promote their airplane because I started getting a little concerned. People were not excited about their airplane. They thought it was just going to be a novelty act. And so with Dennis's approval, I was very excited. So now we're on a, a rush to get their plane flying and make sure it was done properly. And we did all that. We flew it and we had that the air show card. Bill Stein came out to give me the sign off for the Yak 110. His first his first reaction was, wow, it reminds me of Reno, yeah. the air races, because yeah. the airplane has such a big presence. It sounds kind of like a warbird and it's very fast. And so he he was really impressed. Anyways, now I have the air show card. We have an air show sequence. The airplane is ready to go. Now all we needed were some air shows with Dennis. And we had a couple air shows lined up with him, but we really didn't have anything else lined up because people were not convinced. And so we're in Boise and the Mountain Home Air Show right there in the Boise area was having their show in May. And we really wanted to do the show. In fact, we had a, a lot of the Air Force people there were excited about the Yak 110. Some of them had seen the project as it's coming along. And we had all the other performers pulling for us to go to the show. And we went to them and said, this is a one of a kind airplane. I'm not a beginner. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, flying the jet walko and other things. And so we had all the right ingredients, but they called me back and said that in their board meeting, they decided pass on the Yak 110. Huh. And I had offered them the airplane because we needed them as much as I thought they needed us. Sure. I had offered them the airplane for just fuel costs. We okay. didn't even need rooms because we we're local there. Yeah. And and so I said, this is because we needed them to get our name out there with an air show. People were hesitant. So they denied. And Mark Peterson of Boise stepped up to the plate, called them because he was he was just flabbergasted by this thing as well. He called them and said, I'm going to give you a donation to your show <laughs> to cover any expense for the Yak 110. Oh, wow. And so now they really didn't have any excuse. And the Air Force was pressuring them to... You know, the guys out there really wanted their plane. So there was some pressure on the board and they finally said, okay, we'll bring the F-110 in. And that was a great opportunity now for us because we had the local show. We flew down there. We flew the air show. It was bittersweet, of course, with Dan Buchanan. Uh, we loved Dan and, and he had an accident there and it was on, right. on Friday night. We had some bittersweet parts for the weekend and the outcome was on Sunday, you know, we were leaving there and, and they were really pleased with the Yak 110, blown away. In fact, it was so much more than they had ever anticipated. And Monday morning, I get a call from Kevin Ireland down at the Utah Hill Air Force Base Air Show. And he said, I got a number of calls this weekend saying that I need to have your airplane at our air show. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, we'll be there. And that was just two weeks after this air show. They added us on at the last second. So that's where it really, really started. Once the audience saw the airplane, once the promoters, the air show announcers, once everyone saw the airplane, now it made sense. It's not a novelty. It's one of a kind. It's super impressive in its size, the smoke, the noise. You know, it's got that same kind of thing like the Jet Waco where you can hear the prop, then you can hear the jet. Where is the jet flying around? I mean, it's got all that kind of really super cool stuff. When it takes off, everybody runs to the front to see what 
this strange airplane is, which is the cool part then for us, because we have this thing, one of kind airplane that gives us the opportunity now, all of us, including Dell and, and Chad and I are partners on the airplane and, and to have this opportunity to get the next generation of young pilots involved in aviation, which we're missing out on so much right now. It's really sad because that's where a lot of aviators are born at air shows. Absolutely. There's no question. People go to air show. This leaves an impression on young people. Anything is possible when you get to an air show and you see these things like, I'm out here flying this, such an incredible airplane. And I was one of those seven-year-old kids out there just imagining what this could be like. And to have the opportunity to do so is so cool. And that's what I miss most about sitting here talking to you is that we should be on our way to an air show right now. Right. It's a mayday situation. And hopefully we get back to it soon. And that's what I said on, I think it was a couple shows ago. I said, our new normal has to be the old normal. We need to get people standing there at the show line. There's there's so much tactile things, sights, sounds, smells, and the camaraderie of being around people. Um, and it's truly an American thing we do at air shows. I mean, there's air shows all over the world, but nothing beats North American air show or U.S. and Canada air shows. And you're right. It sparks possibility. It is excellence demonstrated it's you can't get it through a video. You can't get it on a radio show. We're all trying our best to do the video and the radio to keep people interested. But that's the key. We got to get back out there again and we got to convince sponsors that the people are going to be there. And that's kind of what my mission's been. We got to make sure that these sponsors know, hey, you know, because without sponsors, air shows don't happen. So I always tell people when you go to an air show and you see a sponsor there, thank them. Don't thank us. That's great. We're having a great time. Thank those sponsors, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, this is all about, I mean, there's a lot of money that goes into these air shows and, and the sponsors are huge. It's always interesting for me to go to sign the autographs and the young kids are there and you walk along the line and they have one view of it. And then you go to the sponsor tent. I always hang out there to get the inside of these people that believe so much in this and they're putting their money into the air shows. It's always very interesting to talk to them and see their perspective on it because we as performers, you know, we go to a dozen air shows a year. We get to see 12 different venues and different sponsors and different crowds. And, and it's interesting to see the different perspective that the sponsor has for an air show. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it always gets me in that it's so huge. Their show is so huge. It touches so many people in so many different ways. And that's what the sponsor sees. There's everyone from, you know, the young kids all the way up to the people that were back at the beginning of aviation or World War II pilots or people that have been around for a long time. They see that it's such an incredible opportunity to reach so many different people and so many different generations. And it's neat to see that they understand that it's an important thing to do. It is. It actually brings those generations together. It links them. It gives you perspective. I use that all the time. It is that perspective. I used to bring an old DC-3 out to air shows. And when you see a grown man that was in the Second World War break into tears and you see a young kid that's maybe just enlisting in the military standing next to him and watching this, you don't learn that in a book. And it's just part of it. There's just so many things. And to take an airplane like yours and to show people have what people would call silly, crazy, stupid ideas, because you know what? Right. That's where all the progress <laughs> comes from, right? To take right. your idea, you know, and yours was putting two airplanes together in a jet engine, right? I mean, experts would say, oh my God, you know, why would you want to do that? Well, why not? 
And that's what you guys really demonstrate with that aircraft is that why not, right? Why not? <laughs> a lot of people can have ideas, but it's the ones that make the ideas happen are important. So, mm-hmm. and this demonstrates is that you can have a crazy idea. You can have, we call this cartoon aerobatics. <laughs> and we had a great idea. We put it into play. And you got to have a guy like Dell. We were working with a company and they, this group of engineers that came to look at our project because they wanted to see what it was that we were doing. And they were trying to find some efficiencies in their engineering program based on what we did with the Yak 110. And at the end, they coined this phrase. They said, we want to do it like Dell. Because Dell is just amazing. He's got such great insight onto how to make things quick and uh, efficient. But he does it in a way that he sees the solution before there's even a problem. And that's what they were trying to do in their engineering. They wanted to see how Dell does it because they want to do it more like Dell because they feel like they can save a lot of time and money by making some efficiencies. So it's cool that the fallout of this program from looking at it from an engineering standpoint, from going from cartoon aerobatics to something that big companies are looking at going, wow, how'd you guys do that? And in such a small time frame, And that's what's neat about that is there's an idea and anyone can have an idea. You got to go out and capture it and look at all the great things that are coming because of it. That is so true. How many ideas do all of us hear in a given day, but the people that can accomplish something gives you more. It's that integrity and it's that trust people put in you. Accomplish something, accomplish anything, and more opportunities come your way because of the accomplishment, not because of the idea. The ideas are great, but there's a lot of great ideas and smart people that never accomplish things and therefore should have, could have, would (laughs) have. Yep. (laughs) We wanted to jump on this idea because it was too good idea and it was getting out there we wanted to be the ones to do it so there's no two better airplanes to do it that's why we left them in the same paint scheme as original you might notice that some people ask well why don't you just paint it uh, to be one airplane and i wanted to leave it just as is because both of them had custom design paint schemes so a lot of yak 55s have just a standard yak 55 paint job from russia but that's one of the unique things about this airplane and when you're flying around it it definitely looks like two airplanes and that was the idea is to make it look like that, even though, uh, you know, it'd be great to have a sponsor. If anyone's out there listening, they would like to put their name on a Yak 110. Let's talk. Absolutely. I mean, this is a, a great billboard to uh, have at an air show is Yak 110. And I would love to paint it all one color of your choice. <laughs> That's <laughs> so right. If you have some, uh, some ideas, give us a call. We'll be happy to talk. It's kind of funny now. I was out practicing over the lake. And I was doing some just some differential thrust practice, and I wanted to get a lot of altitude. So I'm over the middle of this lake. I'm at 5,000 feet, and I land after my practice session, and I get a call from the FISDO within five minutes of landing. He says, hey, got a noise complaint from the north side of the lake. He said that there's a red, white, and blue P-38 flying over the lake making a lot of noise. And he said, I knew exactly who to call. (laughs) So the moral of that story is you cannot get away with anything flying a Yak 110 because there are no other red, white, blue P-38s out there and they'll know exactly how to find me. That is really cool. That is really cool. Well, Jeff, how do people find out more about you, your aircraft and the rest of your team? www.yak110. That's 
uh, yak110.com. We have a YouTube channel, a lot of videos that you can watch. We've kind of documented the entire program from start to uh, finish with a lot of short videos of all the build process. So you can see the inner workings of the, that center section. And, you know, we talk about, you know, how we did the brakes and the flight controls and you know, all that stuff is in there. So it's a lot of fun stuff to watch on the YouTube videos of the Yak 110 coming together. So if you want more information, please go there. Of course, our schedule has been uh, taken away for the most part. We did do a show early on in, in Buckeye, Arizona. We are one of the few people that got to actually fly in our show this year so far. And our next opportunity, everything's been canceled up to uh, Kansas City in the first part of September. So we're kind of fingers crossed that we can get things squared away to start flying air shows there in Kansas. It would be a, a great show for us to hopefully kick off the, the summer of air show flying. We'll uh, keep our fingers crossed for that one, David. We are. We are. Jeff, it's great. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for uh, stepping outside the boundaries and doing something different and unique. It is entertainment and uh, excellence demonstrated and it's entertainment. That's what air shows are all about. We certainly appreciate you and all your contributions and the, and the contributions to the Yak 110 team. So uh, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you're doing because it's an opportunity, like you say, for us to at least talk about this a little bit and envision we're in the process right now. Keep your eyes open for this. So with this downtime, I just bought two of these Sukhoi irises for the cowling of the Yak 110. Yeah. And the idea here is to be able to shut down the props and feather the props and just run on the jet engine at the air show. So uh, stay tuned for that coming up uh, in the near future. So the good thing about having the airplane down is we have time to play around with different ideas. That and uh, afterburner that we're eventually going to put on the airplane. So um, <laughs> if anything good comes out of it, that's what we can say about the Yak-110 is we're, we're developing new fun ideas for it. And that, you know what? We wouldn't have expected anything less. That is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. I love it. Jeff, thanks again, man. This has been awesome. Thank you, sir. I'm a Are you ready to get back to normal? Ready to get back outside in the sun with friends and family side by side? Go to the renegadeaviator.com website and click the Mayday link. Are you ready to see some fun family entertainment? Jets flying at high speed, low to the ground? Aerobatics, barnstormers, doing amazing things with airplanes. How about wing walkers or walls of fire? Inverted ribbon cuts and jet cars. This is America. There are two kinds of people in this world. Those who wait, hope, and let others do it. And those who push up the throttles and take action. If you're like me, someone who takes action, you will join me in this mission. Go to renegadeaviator.com and click the Mayday link. Save our air shows. Thanks for your help. Right on, man. That was a fast-paced show. Let me wrap this up with a few key points here. I do this show because air shows are my passion. I love seeing excellence demonstrated, and my road to air shows has been littered with obstacles and screw-ups. My goal that I've set for myself is outrageously high. But what about you? How crazy are your big ideas? Do they scare you? Do they keep you up at night? Do people laugh at you or your big dreams too big? 
Good. You're on the right track. Think about what you heard here today from Jeff Bourbon of Yak110.com. The idea. Take two Yak-55 single-engine aerobatic aircraft, take off one of their wings, each fuse the two airframes together, and hang a jet engine in between. Okay, if that wasn't crazy enough, go fly some air shows. Crazy idea. Never been done before. You heard Jeff. If you have an idea, you can make it happen. You can make it happen. It is a decision that we make. Succeed or fail. A decision. It's up to us. It's up to you to take advantage of opportunities. Your big ideas will be thought to be crazy. You know what? That's okay. When you see Yak 110 on YouTube or look at an air show, you are looking, ladies and gentlemen, at a crazy dream materialized. This is another reason to go to air shows. Dreams turned into reality because reality matters. We all get inspired by people who do more than dream, more than just talk. People who turn dreams into action and action into results. This is what the Renegade Aviator Radio Show is all about. This is what air shows are all about. This virus will not stop our air shows. We will be back. In the meantime, visit my website, renegadeaviator.com. Listen, like, and share this podcast. You're going to want to see what we have coming next. So go to renegadeaviator.com and sign up for my newsletter. Stay in touch. This is David Costa in the air with my TS-11 Iskra jet and on air with you each and every week. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya. See ya.